Welcome back to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 134. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we'll be looking at Revelation chapter 18 and 19, the punishment of Babylon, both in the past and in John's time and in the future, and the pagan nations. Okay, and so we see the fall of Babylon described in chapter 18. I'll just read a little bit. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Now, I want you to underline that in verse 2, and in your margins write Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 7. In this chapter, we're going to see three or four references to Jeremiah. Why is that important? Because Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, was talking about the ultimate fall of Babylon, the real Babylon, uh, back in his day, right? And so why do you suppose that John is going to use in this one chapter three different quotes from Jeremiah talking about Babylon falling? Because once again, if you've, you've probably heard this about 15 times from me when we talk about Revelation, um, John is using an apocalyptic image. In other words, hey, this is the end times, but John looks back at uh, enemies of Israel of the past and how they ultimately fell. And so he's doing this to remind his readers of this book of Revelation. Hey, we've been through this before. Jeremiah talked about how Babylon back then, 580, you know, in the 500s BC was going to fall, and it did. And, you know, just like uh, John elsewhere, you know, he referenced Daniel and how um, you know, the uh, the Babylonians fell and and ultimately the um um, Antiochus Epiphanes and the Seleucids would fall. Same thing. So you're going to see these quotes here. So that's why I had you underline in verse 2. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a haunt for demons. That is lifted from Jeremiah chapter 51 verse 7. So put that in your margins and it'll make more sense. Uh, in fact, Quite a bit of Revelation uh, chapter 18 is lifted from parts of Jeremiah chapter 51. So uh, it might make sense to go back and, and, and read that. We'll cover that when we uh, look at the Old Testament next year. And so this whole chapter just kind of goes on and kind of gloats about how Babylon, a.k.a. Rome, a.k.a. whoever the future Rome is at the end of times that will be persecuting God's people, how these, how this pagan culture will ultimately fall. So again, we don't get too hung up on, gee, which nation is he talking about? Um, because we know that there will always be governments, there will always be organizations uh, antithetical to God's people, right? And so we are going to see the end of them. Um, specific. Well, so let's look in verse 3. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her licentious passion. Uh, you can, you know, that's again in Jeremiah chapter 51. You'll see a reference to nations being drunk with the wine of licentious passion. 
And uh, the merchants of the earth grew rich from her drive for luxury. So it's a little gloating now that Babylon, or whatever the future nation is, is going to fall. So he warns us in verse 4, this should be worth underlining, depart from her, my people, so as not to take part in her sins. I want you to underline that in verse 4, because that's the message for us today, right? Are you so enmeshed in the things and the ideas of this world that you've forgotten about your relationship with God? Or worse yet, have you taken on the views of the world that happen to be against the views of God? Well, this whole book uh, is calling you away from that. Because remember we said the one thing that will exist after the money's gone, after your health is gone, after your friends are gone, after your relatives are gone, after your job's gone, everything else is gone, including your life. The one thing that, that remains is what? Your relationship with God. So uh, anyway, depart from her, depart from sin, if you will, my people, so as not to take part in her in her sins. Um. God remembers her crimes. And then verse 6, we'll pay her back as she has paid others. Pay her back double for her deeds. So it's not going to be good for you if you uh, get in league with uh, the things of this world or the ideas of this world that happen to be against um, those of God. So, you know, the pagan nations were kind of smug he points out this smugness in verse 7. She, pagan nations, said to herself, I sit enthroned as queen. I'm no widow and I will never know grief. Um, and what what is, you know, that's smug, of course. And uh, the result, uh, the ultimate result for the pagan nations is, therefore, her plagues will come in one day, pestilence, grief, famine. She will be consumed by fire, for mighty is the Lord God who judges us. Well, you can read that whole that whole thing. I'm going to give you another Old Testament packet, uh, passage where John lifts from it. I'd like you to underline verse 11 of chapter 18. The merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her because there will be no more markets for her cargo. Hey, so the pagan nation whether it's Rome, whether it's Babylon, or some nation in our own time, and hopefully not our own nation, uh, did well economically for a long time. People had good jobs. People had retirement plans. People had money to burn, so to speak. But in the end, all of that stuff goes away. And so that's why he's saying the merchants of the earth will weep and warn, mourn for her because there will be no more markets for their cargo. So you got goods to sell. Hey, nobody's going to have any money to buy them with. You know, it'll all be it'll all be gone. People will be dead. Many, you know, many people of the earth will will be dead and all that. And all the fine linen, purple silk and all that sort of thing. Um it says all your luxury and splendor are gone. Never again will one find them. That is from verse 14. And, uh, you know, he reiterates a little bit in verse 17. Every captain of a ship, every traveler at sea, sailors and seafaring merchants stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of her pyre, the city's burning. 
What city could compare with this great city? They threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and mourning. Alas, alas, a great city, in which all who had ships at sea grew rich from her wealth. In one hour she has been ruined. Um, by the way, where I had you underline verse 11 there, the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn for her. That is lifted from Ezekiel, another Old Testament prophet, chapters 26 and 28. So you might want to write that in your margins. It's lifted from Ezekiel chapter 26 through 28. And it was written by Ezekiel talking about the future falling of Tyre, T-Y-R-E, uh, the nation of Tyre, which was once prosperous and which was once a persecutor of the people of God. And they fell too, as will all other gov governments, right? Here's another reference to Jeremiah chapter 51 in verse 21. A mighty angel picked up a stone like a huge millstone and threw it into the sea and said, with such source, Bab force will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down. So in Jeremiah chapter 51, which you might write in your margins next to verse 21, you know, he's talking about a, a big stone is thrown into the Euphrates River to, um, to inaugurate or as part of the falling of Babylon back then. And of course, John is talking about the Babylon of his time, which is Rome, and also talking about any future Babylons that will come along in our day or even later. And uh, so no voices of bride and groom will ever, ever be heard in you again. That's from verse 23. So uh, no, no happiness, right? No celebration, right? Well, there will be a celebration, and that is what is called on in uh, verse 19. But one last reference to the Jeremiah, where he's lifted from Jeremiah. Verse 24, in her was, um, was found the blood of prophets and holy ones and all who have been slain on the earth. That's also lifted from Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 49. So, uh, you know, uh, looks like this Babylon of John's time, as well as the Babylon of future times, whatever that is, is going to be taken care of. So uh, chapter 18 talks about this as if it has happened. And chapter 19 is where it will actually happen. So we've been waiting for this battle of Armageddon to, um, you know, to take place, right? We've got the unholy trinity against the trinity. We've got the whore of Babylon against Mary, right? Um, and so we've, we've all been warned. And for 19 chapters, we've been looking forward to this. Let's see how long this is going to last. Uh, first, we see, uh, we get a glimpse of a uh, great multitude in heaven. This is from chapter 19, verse 1. They're all saying, Alleluia, or praise the Lord. Um, by the way, Alleluia, praise the Lord, four times in six verses is mentioned here in uh, chapter 19. And um, anyway, so... Um, We've we've set up the we've set up the the scene, and they're already singing a victory song before the before the battle occurs. We also know who's going to win this battle, right? 
And uh, it says, Alleluia, Alleluia, about four times in six verses, right? The Lord has established his reign. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Here's something um, uh, that we would recognize. For the wedding day of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready. That's from verse 7. And then verse 9, the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who have been called to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Now, where do you suppose you've heard that before? Well, unless you slept every Sunday of your life, you heard that as part of the Mass, right? Happy are those who are called to his supper. Uh, this is just said a slightly different way. Blessed are those who have been called to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And you are called to the wedding feast of the Lamb when? Every time you receive communion, it's the heavenly banquet. You're there, all of the, you know, not just you, not just everyone in your church, not just everyone in the world is called to that banquet, but, uh, you know, we believe in the communion of saints, right? So all those who have gone before us, we are all seated at the wedding feast of the Lamb, which goes on eternally, right? Because God operates outside of our time and our space. So that might comfort you to know that when you are celebrating the wedding feast of the Lamb and receiving Eucharist, so are all of your dearly departed that chose to walk with Christ and persevere in that walk uh, as, as well at the same time. And uh, so an angel is explaining things to John and um, the angel finally says, hey, don't worship me, worship God. Witness to Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Okay, so here we are. We're ready for the battle. I mean, uh, the, all this stuff we've been talking about, we're ready for the battle. We saw the heavens open, this verse 11, and there was a white horse. Its rider was called Faithful and True. Spoiler alert, it's talking about Jesus. Um, he wore a cloak that had been dipped in blood by the way, that is borrowed from Isaiah chapter 63, verse 1 through 3, if you want to uh, underline dipped in blood in verse 13 and write in your margins Isaiah chapter 63. So again, John continually borrows from the Old Testament prophets to show, hey, we've been through this before, we've come out victorious before, and we'll come out victorious again and always for eternity, okay? Um, his name was called the Word of God. Well, uh, again, spoiler alert, we're talking about Jesus, right? The armies of heaven followed him mounted on white horses and, and wearing clean white linen. Um, out of his mouth came a sharp sword to strike the nations. Uh, he will rule them with an iron rod and he himself will tread out the wine press and the wine of the fury and wrath of God the Almighty. Uh, he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Um, and they're gathering for God's feast in verse 17 and then in verse 18 to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of military officers, the flesh of warriors, etc. We, we get it, the enemies of God. It's not going to be pretty sight, right? Um, then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their families and their armies gathered to fight against the one riding the horse and against the army. Boy, it looks like it's going to be a big, long battle, right? Well, verse 20, this is the whole battle. The beast was caught and with it the false prophet, that's the second beast, 
who had performed and incite the signs, blah, 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 blah. The two were thrown alive into the fiery pool, burning with sulfur. The rest were killed by the sword that came out of the mouth of the one riding the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. End of story. So the whole battle, it was just like Jesus shows up and is immediately the enemy is 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 destroyed right and uh and everyone that's with him so the battle's not even close it's like all jesus had to do was show up and for 19 chapters we've been waiting for this and in one or two verses it's over it would be like a heavyweight boxing fight where uh you know it's projected to go 15 rounds and instead you know the champion gets into the ring the bell rings to start the fight he throws one punch and the enemy's knocked out and dead, you know. Uh, so not much of a uh, not much of a fight there at all. Okay. And I hope you don't have much of a fight with God because again, the whole point of this book is you gotta choose, right? Which side are you gonna be on? You already know the ending, right? So I would bet heavily on the champion here. I would bet heavily on Christ because that's the only thing that's going to last. Okay, uh, on to chapter 20 next week when we talk about what is the thousand-year reign, that R-E-I-G-N, -E that Revelation talks about. We'll cover that next time. In the meantime, let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, we thank you that we know the end of the story and we have the ability to adjust our lives accordingly. We want to be on the winning side. And we know that all this other stuff that you remind us of, the luxury and the, um, you know, the privilege of, of our society, it goes away. But um, we, we know that our relationship with you is eternal. And uh, so help us to put that in its proper perspective and uh, turn away from any sin, uh, as we have been told so often in, uh, in this book. Uh, we thank you for this message in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.